Um, yeah, but this morning we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, so bear with me for a minute. Um, uh, this is a new time of year, isn't it? Um, obviously with the uh, kids going back to school, it always feels a bit new and, you know, the roads are always going to be busy tomorrow morning. You know, like that's what I think about. I think about the traffic hitting the road again. And Christmas will still be upon us. It'll soon be here, won't it? Anybody excited about Christmas? Oh, nobody. Brilliant. I should have asked when the kids were still in. All right. Okay, but this morning, I'm going to be honest right from the beginning. Um, I need to be honest with all of you, and that is that this right here, what I'm about to do this morning, is not my comfort zone. What I love more than anything, and you'll learn about me as time goes on, is what I really love doing is getting a piece of scripture uh, from the Bible and, and, and reading through it, studying it, learning, uh, learning about it, the language, the context, the, the authorship, all that type of thing, and then bringing some sort of challenge from that to the church. I love doing that. What I don't particularly enjoy doing is doing this uh, type of thing when it's, it's not necessarily based in we're just going to look at a piece of scripture. Um, what I'm going to be doing this morning is laying out personally what I feel God has been saying to me uh, prophetically, and more importantly, what I believe he's speaking to us as a church um, through different prophetic words. So just disclaimer right at the beginning, okay? This is not my comfort zone, but I know you all love me, so it'll be fine. Um, but you know what? What we want to do here is we always want to hear what God is saying to us, but then act um, accordingly to what God is saying. So look, why don't we just pray again real quick and then I'm going to jump in to explain it. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. It's um, such an exciting morning. Seven the kids on stage just, just makes my heart jump. It's just so exciting to see them excited for school, trying on new blazers today and all that type of thing. Uh, but Lord, um, we know that you're going to bless them, but we also know it's a new season for us as a church and we're really wanting to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. So I pray that for each and every one of us this morning, we would have an open heart, we'd have open ears to hear from you this morning. Lord, help us not just to hear what you're saying in the sense of just noise, but actually to hear it in terms of our response too. So Lord Jesus, we just submit to you afresh this morning. This is your church. She's your bride. And Lord, what a blessing it is to be a part of it. Come and move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Okay, so a few weeks ago for you who were here, or were listening, <laughs> um, I shared uh, a part of our testimony um, about moving, selling up everything that we owned and moving back to the UK again from Canada. And we'd done that before, obviously, when we'd gone back out there. And it was an incredible story to share with you about God's provision, but also it was actually a time of excitement for us. I don't think I got to communicate that properly last time because I was emphasizing one thing. Um, but it was, it was actually a time of excitement in that moving process because it was a time in which real conversations could start to happen between myself and Jenny and the eldership here at King's about the prospect of coming back here uh, to take the lead, which, spoiler alert, I'm doing now, so you know how that story went, right? Like, it happened. Uh, but let me be, be honest. It was really, really hard to leave a church in which we felt, you know, so loved, and we loved the church. And we'd also seen God just do incredible things there. He built his church there um, through that time. And it was so hard and difficult to make that decision to leave. But what was really 
difficult as well was moving back and and it was a, it was a lot of effort and I'll be honest with you Jenny's left the room which is good I, like I'm still figuring out how to just been back in the UK which is funny isn't it you'd think that it'd be quite easy but nine months on actually I still have to kind of pinch myself and go, oh yeah I live in England now you know and you still have these moments where you see people which you think you recognize and then you think oh no they live in Canada right so you still do adjust and it surprised me how long that's taken But what we're certain of, though, is that God has brought us back here because he's calling us to be part of something that he's doing here in Darlington, and more specifically in King's Church. We feel that so deeply. We didn't move back for no reason. We're here because we're here to be part of what God is doing through all of us as a family. And and so we're excited about moving back. It was really hard to leave but we're excited about what God's doing here. Now, now I'm into my eighth month of working here. Can you believe it? Time flies. And, and as I've been leading, you can imagine there's been a lot of different things that I've had to work through uh, in a center like this with lots of staff like we have, the administration of the place, the, how things run, getting to know the staff and how they tick and all those types of things. But also, and the most importantly, in what I feel God is saying to me personally and to us as a church has been one of the hardest things to make sure I grasp hold of well and, and lead in that. Um, you know, asking those questions like, God, what are you doing here? What is your plan for this church? And when I say church, always think of you. Don't think of, you know, a building. Think of you. God, what are you doing with this church, with me, with the people sat right in front of me? What are, what are you doing, God? What is your plan? In June, uh, we actually got to take a small holiday, which was amazing. Three nights away in Northumberland. We'd never been there before. It was brilliant. And I always think it's great. I don't know if you're like me, but when you're on holiday, I always think it's the best time. I, I always feel like I hear from God really well. It's almost like my life slows enough that I'm hearing what he's saying. And he is always saying, but I've slowed down. And it's peaceful. And I always hear what God is saying to me. And particularly... I'm praying God speak to me about the church. And now God spoke to me about a couple of things when I was away, but not about the church, which was annoying. <laughs> and Monday morning came around. I was back from holiday and, um, and I'm heading back into, into the center. It's about 7, 7.30. Uh, prayer, uh, staff press starts at 8.30 and then I'm straight to an elders meeting at 9 o'clock. So a full busy morning. And I'm heading, this, uh, heading in to work in the car. It's like five minutes drive and that's when God chose to speak to me five minutes before I'm back and um, in that five minute drive I felt God prophetically speak to me and I hear him saying I'm going to pour out new wine but I need new wineskins I'm going to pour out new wine but I need new wineskins Now, this is a biblical reference for those who maybe aren't so familiar with the words of Jesus. It's okay. We're going to talk through it a little bit. And I want to be clear here because when it moves, this is where it moves into prophetic. God, Jesus is kind of addressing something in this biblical scenario. And that's what I mean. I don't want to take things out of context. I'll make you think I'm trying to make it say what it doesn't say. Um, I felt God speak prophetically through this image, but we're going to talk through what Jesus was doing here. So Matthew 9, 14 to 17. It says this, then John's disciples came to him, (coughs) excuse me, and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's still with them, while he is with them? 
The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people, this is the bit I felt God speak to me, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So Jesus here is dealing with not the Pharisees and the scribes are usually on his back, but rather he's dealing with his, his cousin's disciples, actually, John the Baptist's disciples. They're giving him a hard time and he's facing questions on why they don't fast. And we're not going to spend much time on that because we're not talking about that. But, but he basically says, hey, look, like I'm here. The Son of God is here. This is a time for rejoicing. It's not a time for fasting. The time will come for fasting when I'm gone, but right now I'm here. So we're eating, we're rejoicing, we're celebrating. But then he goes on to use this metaphor uh, and and this is he, this is where he goes on to speaking about what he is bringing, and it is bringing something new. He is bringing the kingdom of God, and he uses this metaphor to illustrate. And what he's saying is the religion that is in place right now in in society and culture, the way of doing things in the past, they won't be able to contain or deal with what he is bringing. So Jesus is speaking into, you know, he's bringing a new covenant away from the law. So that's what Jesus was talking about then. And Jesus is essentially referring to that religion and the law and the old way of doing things. It's no longer fit for purpose. And to illustrate, Jesus gives this image of a wineskin. Now, this is a wineskin in the first century Israel. I wanted to show you. It's kind of what it looked like. Pretty disgusting. Would anybody like to drink out of that? And it's a wineskin because it is a skin. It's literally the skin of animals were sewn together and, and they form this kind of flexible bottle to store the wine. And what, what they would do is the new wine, uh, they would put it into these, in, into these skins, but the wine wasn't quite fermented. So um, anybody who's ever home-brewed beer, Liam, I know you, uh, and I've attempted it terribly at times. Uh, but actually, when you, when you have the fermentation process, you have these gases that come out. And, and actually, the new wineskins, the reason why they had to be new was because they were kind of elastic and they could expand as the gases were released in the fermentation process. So they would put wine in there that still needed to ferment. And the wineskins had to be new. There was this buildup of gas. But the old wineskins, they would burst under the pressure. That's good. Thanks, Kathy. They would burst under the pressure. They would they'd go brittle and hard, and they would dry out. And as soon as they were to be stretched, they would actually tear, and they would be, you know, destroyed, unusable. And this is what I felt God was saying to us. This incredible promise that he was going to bring blessings. This new wine, it was his representation of new blessings that he wanted to pour out on us as a church. The Holy Spirit being poured out. But I had a sense almost that God was saying, there's this new Holy Spirit anointed, but my job as a leader and our job as a church was to be ready and to get prepared. So I, pr- so I prayed and asked God, okay, well, what are these wineskins that need replacing? Where is it, where is it that things have become cracked? Where you, where, things that wouldn't be able to withhold expansion or stretching. And I also shared this with the eldership that morning, like 9 a.m. 
had a meeting. I shared what I felt God had said. And, and now with a prophetic, I want to be clear. Whenever anybody brings you a prophetic word or you feel something prophetically that God is speaking, we, we need to wait for confirmation. It needs to line up with scripture first, but then we need to wait for confirmation. And actually what I didn't know, I shared this briefly on a, on a prayer meeting um, a couple of months ago. And what I didn't know is God had already been speaking to people in the church about, about this very subject. So I'm going to ask Tony now. Oh, I'm missing a microphone. There it is. I'm going to ask Tony now to come up. Thanks, Tony. And, um, and Tony actually emailed me uh, that week to say, I feel God said this about a year ago and I shared it, but I feel it fits with what you're saying. So I'm going to let Tony share um, what he felt God said. Yeah, this was from uh, May last year. Even before the coronavirus spread to Europe, nearer to the beginning of the year, I felt that as we were designating 2020 as a year of evangelism and were praying for and believing God for a significant number of new believers, that we should be making some preparations for caring for and discipling those new believers. Since then, of course, everything has changed, although it seems that God is continuing to make this a year of evangelism in ways that we would not have thought of. I, like many others, am getting a growing sense of God using this time to prepare for us a whole new wave of opportunities to share the gospel with people who are now more open to the message and to focus our attention on praying for revival. Hmm. I've continued to pray about preparations for new believers. I had a picture of the eldership team standing around a large table looking at a set of plans that were spread out on it. I felt that God was saying that these plans were for moving and reappointing the living stones that God has given you so that God can build the church to be the temple of the Holy Spirit that he wants it to be, to be ready for expansion. I believe that through this picture, God is encouraging you, saying that he is answering and will answer your prayers and the church's prayers for wisdom and insight as to what should be put in place and where the focus should be as we continue to, to emerge from lockdown. I felt that God was saying that the plans would not come all at once in a finished version, but would be formed through constant revisions as a result of many conversations with God the architect, leading to an ever clearer understanding of his heart and his vision and taking into account the insights that he will give to other members of the body too. In James chapter one, he has promised that he will give wisdom to everyone who asks and believes. I believe that God is saying that this is very much a time for, uh, for preparing for, as well as praying for revival much along the lines of the often quoted verses from Isaiah 54, urging God's people to enlarge the place of their tent ready for growth. I was also reminded of the story of Elisha and the widow in 2 Kings 4, where Elisha instructed her to get hold of as many jars as she could to hold the miraculous increase of oil that God was about to bless her with. It's as though he is saying to us to put lots of vessels in place to receive the overflowing blessing that he's about to send to us. I felt that God was saying that he's using this time when we cannot do many of the things that we usually do, especially Sunday gatherings, to focus on other things that need strengthening, such as keeping in contact with one another, encouraging one another, every member ministry and caring for one another in practical ways, as well as the new ways of spreading the gospel through social media, which seem to have been so effective. I believe that he is saying that these things will need to continue to be strengthened as life continues to be more normal again, whatever that looks like. Thank you, Tony. Can we thank Tony? That'd be great. Thank you. <clears throat> you start to get a real sense of God speaking to us. 
And, and I want to point out a couple of things that Tony brought in that, in that word, in that prophetic word. I quickly want to reference, um, he quickly referenced Second uh, Kings with Elijah, which is a miracle we, which we see happen with a widow. And this is a very important point. She's a widow and her husband has, so her husband's died and she has two boys, but the husband has died in death. Now, by Mosaic law, uh, that, those two children now, they're going to be a ransom for the debt of their father, um, which is totally normal in those days. It's hard for us to get our head around. Um, but those sons are going to become slaves to the person who, who uh, is, is, the, is the debtor. So um, I just want to read that to you real quick. Second Kings 4, 14, 17. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can, now, can live on what is left. God does this miracle in this story. Um, he pours out oil, and, and, and you know, Tony also referenced to stretching out the tent pegs. It's God who fills the tent. And, and you know, there's... What I felt God was saying is that he does the miracle. He does the miracle. He builds his church, but there is work for his church to do. You know, um, and the, uh, the reference he talked about stretching out the tent from Isaiah. But there's work for us to do. And it's work that we do in believing that God is the one who will bring the, the blessing. And I believe that's precisely where we are as a church today. I believe this is a significant day for us as a church, where I believe that God is saying, I want you to be prepared for the blessing that I want to bring. But there is work to do. I need you to step out in obedience and faith and watch me do the rest. You remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the disciples casting out the nets Ridiculous plan, but yet Jesus filled them. I believe that this affects most, most things that we do as a church. But are we willing to, be, to participate and to be the new wineskin? Are we willing to be stretched, to be bent, to be pulled, to be made to feel uncomfortable at times and outside of our comfort zones? Add into this the prophetic words that Jeremy brought a couple of weeks ago about what God has already built here. It's incredible. 
I'm so baffled when I walk around the centre during the week, just what God is doing here. On a Sunday morning as we just sing together, I'm baffled just what God is doing. But Jeremy said there's this danger, which I couldn't agree with more, of, of almost looking at this, he, he described it as a rocket launcher and a rocket ship and sitting there and going, wow, look what, look what God's done, look what we've done, you know, through, through God. Isn't it amazing? And there's this danger of staring at it and opening a museum to it and saying, isn't this fantastic? And inviting others to come and see what God's done. And yet the rocket was never supposed to be there, was it? It's supposed to be blast off. And Jeremy talked about the danger of that. We want the rocket to fly. We don't want to just look at this and go, wow. No, we want to see the church fulfill its purpose. This place is not going to become a museum, amen? And when I say the church, I'm talking about you, remember. You. I want to see each and every one of us fulfill what God is calling us to do. You. Forget the person next to you for a second. You. God has a plan for you. He has a plan. And my heart is to see you walking in step with your Lord and Savior, fulfilling what he's called you to do. Like I said, this talk is outside of my comfort zone. I much prefer just reading through a piece of scripture and teaching it. Um, but as I was preparing this week, one of my many meetings this week was with Gary and Mel as we met to talk about um, uh, the home group, uh, the life group that they're going to be starting here in the center. And Gary actually shared something with me, which hit me like a ton of bricks. So can you come up, Gary, and just welcome him again? So Uh, but the wonderful Gary and Mel, um, Gary just shared that he felt God speak to him about something, and I felt it fit again for this morning. I, um, I was working in the garden pulling out weeds. I think a lot of us have been doing that this year. Hmm. And while I'm working in the garden, I was praying about um, our life group that's going to start in just over two weeks' time. Well, in fact, it's under two weeks' time on a Wednesday morning at the in the in, in, in the lounge and uh, I asked the Lord Lord what direction should I take this and the word that came to me straight away was what next sounds funny what next and straight away I was led to a scripture in Isaiah chapter 43 verses 18 and 19 and says this forget the former things do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. And I felt, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. You're doing it already? And it says here, do you not perceive it? I'm just going to say to you, God's already dealing with us and is doing something wonderful in the midst of us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I thank you. 
Can I just say that was a huge boost for me coming into Sunday. Um, God is doing a new thing. He wants to pour out new wine, to pour out blessing like the oil. Do you perceive it? Can you feel it right now? The Holy Spirit, what's he going to do? I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit excited. What's he going to do? I want to invite Phil to come back up, but I want to say, um, just, just finish really. We're going to have a little bit of time and response. It's going to be a bit different this morning. God is going to do a new thing. Let me be really clear. And I'll send out a bunch of prophetic words this week. There was another one that which, uh, uh, from Anne, who's not here this morning. And we'll send them all out in the week for you to read through again. But the truth is, in all of these prophetic words, there is work to be done. Stretch out those pegs. Collect the vessels. Quick, go and collect them in. Get the new wineskins ready. But we watch God do the rest, don't we? Like, if you know me personally, which I, hopefully most of you will, or will very shortly, you'll know that I, have no, I am no genius. <laughs> I have no master plan other than we are dependent on God for everything, in everything. And our job is to be obedient, to work hard. You know, my heart, you know, we had the youth and the children on, on here this morning. Let me tell you, my heart is that each and every one of them are on fire for Jesus. Like that, that is a legacy. Do you know, like that is something you leave behind for the next generation. My heart is that they know Jesus so intimately and closely that they can never walk away. Asylum seekers, children in our church. Kids who've grown up middle class, kids who've grown up on the poverty line. The best thing we can give any of those children is Jesus. But I need your help. I really, really need your help. We have an incredible team of, of kids workers, volunteers, but that is really small. The same people every week taking those children out. I need your help. It's not going to happen unless as a church we become a new wineskin. And we say, God, we believe you're going to pour out blessing. We believe you're going to pour out a new Holy Spirit anointing in this. But I need to be part of this new wineskin. And I know a lot of you give time but there, I think that there's some people here. My, not, my job is not to convict. My job is to love you. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you. God's job is to judge you. My job is just to love. But there are some people sat right here right now and you know the Holy Spirit is just, boof, I can do more. I can help. We want to see people arrive in on a Sunday morning to a team of amazing stewards showing them where they can park, how to orientate themselves when they've never been here before a welcome team with a smile on the face as people walk through the door. And as people walk through the door, maybe apprehensive, unsure, maybe never been to church before, never been to this church before, actually a welcome from somebody with a friendly face is all they need. We want to have tea and coffee after our meetings. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. I need a cup of tea right now. We don't have tea and coffee this morning. We have no help. No help. So we don't have tea and coffee this morning. 
And I know that there's so many of you out there with a heart to give. So I'm being really clear about how we can give. So today is a call to action for us as a church, but but a call to rise in faith and say, Lord, give us faith for what you're going to do here with us as a church, with me, with my family. It's a, it's a rise in faith this morning. I believe God is speaking to us clearly and he sent us these prophetic words to say, you need to be ready for what I want to do. So in response, we're going to do something very different this morning. We're going to do something very different. We're not going to sit there and reflect. We're going to prayerfully respond. And, and Mags, our administrator extraordinaire, has lovingly put out some tables and lots of pens three tables at the side here and there's uh, well there's sign up sheets for a whole bunch of different jobs on a Sunday morning that we need help with and trust me we need your help and I don't want you to worry about you know the the scheduling and well I'm only free every other Sunday on a on a you know full moon don't worry about that sort of thing right Just worry about what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and respond to that. We'll we'll figure out the administration part afterwards. We'll figure around your schedule afterwards. Don't let that be the reason you don't respond and sign up. But it's saying, Lord, I want to be part of this. And even if I can just do one Sunday every other month, I'm actually just going to give that to my church. I want to be part of what you're doing here. So we have sign-up sheets for children's work, crash youth work, tea and coffee rota, stewarding, the AV team, which does all this stuff on the screens, the, the sound team, and our welcome team. They're all along these tables. And I would ask you, I would ask you to prayerfully consider if you can help us with one of those things. With the youth. Man, I want to see those guys on fire with the children, with the, you, with, the, with the crash, with the welcome, with all the different things that we need help with. Do you feel it? I'm so grateful. Let me just finish by saying this before I pray. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to God for giving me the opportunity to do this with you. I'm so excited that I get to be a part of this journey, this new chapter And I get to do it with all you guys. I'm looking forward to getting to know you all very well over the years to come. But I'm just so grateful. But let me just pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that it feels like you are actively speaking to us as a church. Lord, we declare in Jesus' name that this place will never be a museum. But Lord, that only happens if we are active Jesus, do away with the spirit of apathy. And whether that be in our own personal walk with you, or whether that be our involvement in the community of you, but Lord, we want to be, we want to submit our lives to you afresh this morning. Jesus, we know you desire to pour out blessing on us as a church, but help us to be obedient to what you're asking us to do right now. You're already blessing us. You're already doing a new thing. Lord, help us to perceive it through the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about what we have or what we can do. 
It's just about stepping out, trusting you, Lord, and watching you do the miracles. Even if we just bring a little, like the little boy who brought the loaves and the fish, you do the miracle. We just bring what we have. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Such a blessing. But Lord, we want to be fully following you. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask you, we're finished now. Um, oh, sorry, we are going to worship. Sorry, one more song. <laughs> we're going to worship. Oh, sorry. My bad, Phil. Sorry. Um, we're going to worship. And I'm going to encourage you during this time of worship. Nobody's watching. I'm not going to judge just between you and God. Like I said, my job is not to convict you or judge you <laughs> as the Holy Spirit's job. Um, but, but I want to encourage you as we sing this final song, you've got a whole song to, to, to prayerfully consider what, how you can bless the church, how you can be part of this. Um, so have a walk over. Obviously be aware that you don't want to be in people's space too much. There are separate pens, hopefully, for most people. But have a walk over, have a look at the sheets. They're all along there. And all training is provided. We'll figure out the administration afterwards. Um, but please do respond. Okay. We're going we're gonna to just finish in worship. So everybody stand up. I'm going to hand over to Phil.